Welcome back to another episode of Fight in Progress, a podcast conversation about our men and women in law enforcement and the challenges they face. With lead stress coach and founder of Under the Shield Foundation, Susan Simmons, and Arizona police officer, Ace Walker. Thank you to Universal MMA and Fitness for sponsoring today's episode. You can find their info in the description below. All right. Well, welcome to podcast. Are we on 20? We are on the inaugural 20. Well, you know, that's really appropriate here at the beginning of 2021. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But we're, anyway. We're fixing to find so out. So can I be episode 21? Because we all want to get rid of 2020 for everything. <laughs> well, we already so. skipped 13. We can't skip 20. Susan that's won't be able to keep up anymore. So <laughs> can I be 21 minus one or something? Yes. That effect? <laughs> we'll call you minus one. Yeah. <laughs> so, But we welcome to this podcast here at the beginning of a new year. Hallelujah. Although I don't know if you saw my meme on Facebook and it said <laughs> something like, look out, 2020's turning 21. And now I can There'll drink. be a lot of drinking yeah. going on. <laughs> yeah. So, so I guess the jury's going to be out for a while as to whether We went to underage consumption good. to just legal consumption now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all just fine. Everybody well, was drinking at 20. Now they're just going to do it <laughs> legally. <laughs> yes. And I don't know if y'all have seen the Match.com commercial, no. but I have to bring this up because it's absolutely priceless. It, it is to me one of the best commercials yet, but it shows Satan meeting 2020 and oh, yeah. they meet under a bridge in, in Central Park and she walks up and she goes, Satan, and he has these horns and red face thing and and, she, and he goes, two zero, two zero. And she says, you can call me 2020. And their dates are an empty <laughs> football stadium at the gym when nobody else can be there an empty theater it shows her running out of a bathroom with all the toilet paper (laughs) and at the end they're sitting looking out it looks like it's looking out maybe over the i don't know the bridge in san francisco or something and he goes oh it's been such a great year i don't want it to end and she says who would (laughs) <laughs> and I'm thinking somebody that's priceless. Oh man. I thought that, and they did a sequel to it too. I saw the picture. Yeah. And the sequel was good too. It shows them sitting on a couch and, and, and she says, I've dated worse. <laughs> I'm thinking, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see how this year goes. So anyway, 2021's out, but we'll be critiquing it. I'm sure as we go along. <laughs> Yes. Anyway, we have a guest with us today, Ace. Yeah. Yes, we do. And like normal, we like to give them a nickname. Uh, but we were shorthanded for nicknames. So this is Officer Moniker. Moniker. Okay. Yeah. Creative, right? Good morning. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Happy to have you. <laughs> yes. Anytime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you've been an officer for how long? Uh, I graduated the academy in July of 2013. So okay. where are we going on now? A little over yeah, seven years. Yeah, give or take. There was some separation there between. So, but for round numbers, we can say we can say seven. So it's flown by. Sweet. So today, so we talked about a couple of things that we might want to discuss on the show. But one of the things that kind of stuck with us was uh, a shooting that you were in. Correct. Um, what a year and a half ago. Uh, 2018. Oh, 20, so oh, okay, it'll be, so, so about a year and a half. Will be two years coming up this summer. Okay. So, or correction, I'm sorry. A couple months, not this summer. Uh, a few months from now. Right. And Obviously, as, it came out. On the good end for you. <laughs> yes, yes, it did. Well, right. congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, and one of the things that I noticed, and this is why it kind of stuck with me, is that when, especially in the academy for me, uh, one of the things that we're taught is when we get into a critical incident like that, that it's going to have an effect on you and that it, it's going to weigh on you and those kind of things. I feel like they talk about them as absolutes. Sure. And then when... <laughs> Nothing like setting you up for failure. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I, when I watched you go through this... Um, 
you seem to be able to manage it all. Yes. So one of the things that we want, that I wanted to cover was kind of how you were able to do that. And then we can talk about why public misconception of shootings and sure. critical incidents like that um, can not exactly be healthy for officers, for their families, for that kind of thing, especially spouses. I'd imagine spouses have the same misconceptions that most of the public do. Yes. So we can go over a little bit of that. If uh, whatever you're at liberty to talk about with, of the, with the shooting, and then Absolutely. we can give a quick debrief on it, and then we can yeah. talk about how you well, dealt with that. And I want to throw into how mental health often misunderstands shootings as well. Right. And how I think all of that impacts law enforcement's perception about whether they're doing well. I've actually had people stress after a shooting because they're doing well. Yeah. I was just <laughs> going to say, because they don't Something feel must be wrong with me, Susan. Right. I'm not losing sleep. I'm not having nightmares. I'm hungry. Right. I, you know, life is good. Something must be wrong with me. It's yeah. funny you bring that up because we'll talk about it when, uh, you know, you have to go back into your quote unquote fit for duty about, you know, that kind of came up during the, uh, during the evaluation, we can discuss that as, the, sure. as we progress through the story, but that actually did, did come up in a conversation. So <laughs> it just um, makes me laugh. Yeah. You're not okay because you're okay. That makes perfect sense. Right. To me. right. So no, basically uh, I, at the time of, of the incident, it was 2018. So at the time I had been on for a little less than five years and I had been a cop at that time. No, you know, other critical incidents per se, as far as, you know, it wasn't like I was, you know, racking up the shootings or I had been in some other kind of use of force concern. And mm-hmm. that's what I was out there looking to do. And, um, I'll be the first to admit, you know, when I became a cop, it was, it was, it was, it was a job, right. And it was what I wanted to do. Cause I applied, I went through the process, right. But it wasn't something that I grew up wanting to do, right. Like you had family, right. I wasn't in the family of law enforcement. Um, I didn't, you know, I wasn't a, you know, a career explorer, right. Never did it. Um, you know, I joke with people all the time. Even now I say, when I leave my house, I want people to look at me at two ways. I either want you to look at me like you need to give me money and you feel bad for me because I'm disheveled and homeless. <laughs> right. Or I should be giving you sound financial advice because I'm dressed up in a shirt and tie. So I, I don't, I know I don't wear the, you know, the, the five eleven or the uh, grunt style or anything like that. I don't, you know, wear anything that really perceives me as a police officer. Right. So well, wait a minute, you don't you show know. up on the, on the firing range in wing tips or anything. No, like no, that, no, 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 I don't. Okay, just I have appropriate sure. attire for appropriate reasons, okay. but I, uh, when I leave my house uh, with my family or to go do something it's not usually in police attire or police uh sure. police related uh brands we'll call it so i do um, have a question yeah though. if i had come in your academy class mm-hmm. and ask you why you were doing this what would sure. your answer have been so a little bit of that backstory is, is i have several friends so prior to being in law enforcement i worked in the financial world and i worked um, in the entertainment business he looks like a financial guy yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> i worked in the entertainment business for 11 years and during that time i met a lot of officers uh due to the nature of the work we were in so during that time i became friends with a lot of them and obviously on a professional and professional level and one of those times i decided to go on a ride along and it just it just fit. Now, mind you, now I was hired at the hired at 29. I got through the academy at 30. So these ride-alongs happened during many, many years prior when I was younger, and you know, thought sure. I knew everything there is to know about the world. And you know, adults can't tell me anything. And I relate. Yeah, absolutely. You know, <laughs> yes, I, he does. Yeah, you know, what, what what do people know in their 40s? Right, I know everything there is to know at 23. You have to understand yeah. that's why this is in here. Yeah. It is strictly for Ace. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> okay. So we might have to take that to work with us sometime. Uh, so went on a ride-along, and it just fit. Right. I was trying to find that what I wanted to do with my life. Right. Because we're so ingrained to teach people. Right. Go to school, go to college, find a good career, start your 401k, start your savings, buy a house. Right. The the, the American dream, if you will. Right. Everybody sure. needs to own Lassie. Everybody needs to be leaving to Beaver. <laughs> right. You know, June Cleaver. Right. You bet. Um, 
And so it was, it was that realm of, and by now, mind you at this time, I also kind of wanted it because I didn't grow up in a traditional household. I was raised by a single parent, uh, that did the best she could to provide for me. Sure. And I'm always thankful for what my mom and my family did. And I wouldn't be where I am today without my family, right? Sure. My mother, my grandparents, um, without them, I wouldn't be as successful as I am today. So I saw the things that we struggled with as a child mm-hmm. and I didn't want to have my children when that time comes for them to struggle as well. So it just, it just seemed to fit. So I went on this ride along and it was, you know, not knowing what the day's going to bring, right? Everything's different. You know, you're mobile. You got this whole big area to patrol. And at the time, right, I'm 23. So I love being out at night working graveyards. Now I'm, you know, in my, I'm in my late thirties. I'm like, I'm, you know, nine thirty comes around. I'm like, well, that sounds good guys. Let's <laughs> yeah, go to bed. Right. Bad. I mean, times, times change, but 23, right. Working, you know, going out in graveyard and it just, it just fit. So, uh, started applying, was unsuccessful. Um, you know, um, go through the background check, you know, Various reasons, right? in the great 08 hit, right? Nobody starts to hire, right? You know, foreclosures, taxes, recessions, job reduction force, not hiring, stagnant, whatever. Uh, so kind of in a no man's land, you know, you'd go to testing. And they'd be like, we're hiring two and there'd be 947 people <laughs> so, at testing. Yep. And you're just yes. like, okay, well, yep. you know, I, I'm like, I'm an optimistic person, glass half full, but, you know, also got to be a realist sometimes. <laughs> and uh, finally got fortunate enough to be hired by um, an agency in late 2012, early 13, and go to the academy for them. And went through there, uh, graduated the academy, and shortly thereafter separated. It just wasn't the right fit, right? I'm a firm believer in things are about fit, whether it's relationships, houses, vehicles, neighborhoods, professions. You have to have the right right fit. Well, and, um, I, and that's something else. I don't think the public understands. There's a huge difference in city, police, county, right. troopers, right. feds. Correct. Everybody has their mm-hmm. niche. Right. And and they vary even by state right. and location in the country. Right. Yeah. And I and as I tell people all the time, you know, we play, we all like to play in the same sandbox. Yes. We just all like different types of sand. Yes. You know. Yeah. So that's, that's it. Good um, so I, I left and, and transitioned to another agency, uh, and I really had no complaints. I had, I had friends that worked at that agency, uh, you know, and friends of friends, and and it was you know it was a, it was a welcome change. Uh, it was closer to home. Obviously, let's be all let's be realistic. Call it put it on the on the table now. It paid more money, Big right? Up. Everybody, you know, wants to provide for their family. I'm not a soup kitchen. I'm not doing it out of the kindness <laughs> of my heart. Uh, and um, it was a welcome change, and I and I was happy to be there, and I was I was happy to be to um, to be going to work every day and enjoyed the, my coworkers, the people I worked for. Um, I was truly felt like you know what, everything happens for a reason, and everything that happened prior to led me to this direction. Sure. Okay. And so I was fortunate working, you know, and, and, um, my, my fiance now, she's a girlfriend at the time, you know, uh, we were living together, everything was going great. So life, life was good, right. Going to work and, you know, working that day, normal, normal day, just like everything else. Right. And, you know, we have a, have a high traffic area in the area we work in. Um, and we have a lot of calls that come in and that you become routine, right? The more you do this job, things become, you know, been to that 4,000 times, been to that 67,000 times, right. And you kind of become complacent Complacent. or um like well let's see what you know i kind of know where this is already going to go but i'm still going to go sure right excuse me and so while we were while we were in route to the to this incident right there was there was information coming in about this person um making suicidal ideologies and or asking people to do inflict harm on him and was this somebody you'd ever dealt with before it was not so i didn't know this person so but again even in the back of my mind i'm thinking you know potentially a lot of times you get people that have suicidal ideations and it leads to a involuntary committal to get them mental health right Right. is they're not they just want help right they want help you know they they want to help they want a sandwich they want to they want a bottle of water in the middle of summer they're not they're not aggressively violent towards anybody and so i'm in the kind of the back of my mind 
And I remember that day, you know, when I get there, you know, a lot of traffic out, a lot of things going on that day. And I see the person and, and, you know, training kicked in or whatever it may be. And I remember, you know, I was in the academy, right? You know, people don't kill people, hands kill people, right? Guns kill people, right? And this yep. person was, you know, didn't have their hands exposed. And I was just kind of like, I stood at the front of my truck and I'm like, hey man, you know, let me, let me see, your, let me see your hands. Let me see what you got going on here, right? Before I walk up and try to be buddy, buddy with you and Mr. Rogers and, you know, <laughs> won't want you to be my neighbor. And... <laughs> And so I remember that and, and not even within, you know, from when I look back at it now, they say the first, the first from when I, when I told everybody I was on scene to when the first shot was fired was seven seconds. And you're out there alone. Uh, so I was not out there alone, but my backup was extended away from me. Meaning, so they parked in a manner in which they were around the area, but not directly next to me. If that makes sense. I would say within 20 to 25 yards. The monitoring. Right. Exactly. And they were going to probably walk over if it would have been, you know, a conversation and just kind of make sure everything was okay. And I remember all of a sudden, you know, um, person exposed their hands and two, uh, two sharp objects in their hands. And I'm like, well, (laughs) this just escalated quickly, you know, and mind you now, uh, he's, this person's in, in a commercial area, you know, but I'm still kind of standing near and on the roadway. So I'm like, this is, this is not good slash this is not going to go, this is not going to go well, um, for any of us because we've got horrible backdrops and we've got traffic way and things of that nature. And the person at this point decided to, um, advance on me or come towards me. And obviously I felt my life was threatened Sure. and you know, and I, and I, and I discharged my weapon, I shot, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I still remember this day thinking, you know, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you to this day if I didn't know now how many shots I fired, right? Because right. I've heard it before, right? One shot feels like 50, 50 feel like one, you know? And so this happened and obviously the the, the subject fell and uh, as, as luck would have it or kind of, you know, things would happen is he fell right on the knives, right? Oh, of wow. course, they never, they never, they never fly out like the movies, right? They never go like, you know, don't land in the that. grass. They just fall. So there had to be a plan made to obviously get him away from the knives, right? Sure. And then subsequently render aid and then, then the whole process begins. And I remember... You know, things like trying to get on the radio and obviously everybody talks on the radio and I couldn't get out and I finally just gave up and I was like, everybody else is going to tell them what happened, exactly. right? Like I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep trying to get on and say I was, you know, I was the one who did it, right? And right. everybody knows. They'll eventually figure right, it out. Right, exactly. So, you know, and my partners that were there helped render aid, you know, and I remember trying to render aid and one of the officers was like, hey, like we got this, just go, you know, compose yourself. Good. Um, And we got this. So we were fortunate enough to have some other events going on at the time mm-hmm. where officers responded to help kind of maintain the scene and check on me and obviously he, the subject was transported to a hospital where he was subsequently pronounced deceased and i remember obviously having to call and make those notifications to people whether it would be my attorney or my family right and the, and the things that happened after the fact that i still kind of keep in my brain to this day mm-hmm. and it's and I, and I will say as much as we get some things right or excuse me something's wrong in law enforcement mm-hmm. that day Everybody around me and my powers that be got everything right. Good. I, I have no complaints whatsoever about how I was treated that day, how I was treated after the fact, how people talked to me, how people perceived me, how people approached me. Everybody that day and subsequently after was 110% right in how they did it. And I have no complaints. And I will stand fast to this day to tell people how much and how well I was treated during a critical incident or during that incident mm-hmm. that I'm very thankful that I was where I was at that day. How long were you left on scene? Oh, do you remember? Um, Did they get you off pretty quickly or not? I would say quickly in regards to the resources needed to get me off scene. Right. right? Um, Cause obviously it's not like, you know, you shoot and then you, 
and then you just walk away, right? right? Like walk off in the sunset, like John Wayne. Right. And, and uh, you I know. personally think you should, but that's right. okay. That's another subject. Um, <laughs> and you know, trying to render aid and and fire and shutting down the scene. So I would say I don't have a time frame, but I would say I didn't ever feel like I was unequivocally left there too long to be like, what am I doing? I know you in know? some of the departments here in the valley, they'll bring the mobile command out to sure. the scene, and in my opinion, and all the shootings I've done around the country. They leave them on scene gotcha. too long. Sure. Gotcha. You know, you, you need to get those adrenaline levels down sure. because just like you talking about not knowing how many shots fired, right. there's actually something called critical incident amnesia. Sure. And it's how the brain links up the subconscious and the conscious can link up. And sometimes uh, Dave Grossman and Bruce Siddle did some research and found that sometimes some memory never comes back. Right. And other stuff will come back in bits and pieces which is why we aren't big on people giving statements immediately after a critical incident. Right. When you start hearing them say things like, I think, uh, 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 don't tell me what you think. Tell me what you know. If you don't remember, don't tell me. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you remember some details coming back to you as time went on? No, because I will say this. I was gone before the mobile command showed okay. up. Good. So that was good. And again, we were taken to a location close enough to where if we had to come back, it wasn't an issue, but far enough away where you couldn't see the scene. Good. Right. And again, going back to how I was treated, right. Um, the food, we, we, we had a food bot for us. We, you sure. know, we were sat down, we had people with us, you know, that we talked about meat. it, yes. you know, and obviously I had to make some phone calls. We could talk about those phone calls that were made here in a little bit, you know, and even I had a part of our command staff come up to me and, and I had an energy drink in my truck that obviously I didn't get out, but I drank a lot of energy drinks and they even <laughs> brought me one. I said, Hey, you might, you're going to be here a while. I know it's not your brand. Right. But at least, you know, something's better than nothing, right? right. So it's kind of like, you know, giving somebody, giving something to, to hold them over. So, I mean, even just small things like that, I remember to this day, because they cared enough about me yep. to give me something that makes, could potentially make a, a big difference in helping me get through that process, right? You know yes. what I mean? And if you have a, if you're used to drinking an ice cold energy drink at two in the afternoon and you can't get it, you're like, I just want that. So it's just the small things like that, sure. I'm forever thankful for. And that's the stuff, the stuff I remember throughout the day. And some of the phone calls and things like that that I remember as well. But it's the smaller stuff that I know and I feel that I was like, wow, this was, you know, I was really taken care of. And I'm, I'm very thankful for how I was treated that day. Yeah, you have to go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That's right. the most important thing. Even at 9-11, the guys that we would talk to would pull them out of the pit for a short period of time. The very first thing we wanted to know, are, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Right. Are you cold? Are you hot? What do you need? What can I get you? Right. Mm-hmm. When you start meeting those needs, people start getting back to some level of normalcy sure and that's where you want them absolutely so and then obviously the the investigation proceeded from there and we can talk about that further as we elaborate and discuss in kind of in detail but um you know i and ultimately i think i left that day at you know probably a couple three to four hours after my after my shift and again it, every time i saw somebody that day the, the bottom line was they were thankful i was okay and right. they you know they treated me with respect with dignity with kindness right and Everybody, again, um, basically treated me like family, if that Good. makes sense. And so I awesome. was very thankful, very fortunate that that happened. Because, again, right, you hear horror stories. <laughs> you, hear, you, hear, you hear horror stories from other agencies or from people that it didn't go that way, right? Sure. And they were disowned or they were shunned or somebody had a bad experience with somebody. Now there's a perception of that person. And thankfully, I didn't have any of that going into my incident mm-hmm. because we hadn't had anything of that nature that I had been around for. But you talk to other agencies, right? And you talk to other people, and you're afraid of what may happen if you're in it. And <laughs> <laughs> There's a Phoenix officer that uh, has retired now. Sure. Combat Marine. 
ambushed. He travels around teaching with me. And one of the stories that he shares is how when he finally got back to work, and I think you and I were talking about this, you know, officers don't know that haven't been in those events, mm-hmm. don't know what to say to somebody who has. Right. And so when Mark walked into his precinct, the very first person he saw walked up and goes, hey, killer. <laughs> Not a good plan. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, I understand sick humor is, is how y'all get through things. And it's a very effective tool. Sure. Don't do it for the media, the victim's family. Right. Um, but, and I'm sure that's what that person was trying to do, but it really was like a knife in Mark's heart. Right, right. And so people just don't know what to say in those situations. Of course. So you didn't have any of that, huh? Nobody no, called I did, you no, no, I did not. <laughs> Um, so I'm thankful for that. So then obviously, you know, and then proceeded to follow with some, you know, standard days off mm-hmm. as normal. And obviously one of the time before you go back to work is you have to be seen by a mental health professional. Was there a set days off that everybody gets three so it's or you th- got to decide? You got minimum of three, okay. but longer if, if, if needed. you need it. Right. Okay, good, good. And so. And how, how are you feeling up until that, like even the day of, were you, were you nervous were you scared of what was going to happen next because obviously talking about going back to work or the day of the event the day of the event like obviously it's something you hadn't done before right it's not something i had done before uh nervous no anxious no because i don't ever claim to know everything Mm -hmm. but i like to think i can surround myself with enough people who know more than me when i need them to call them and that's what happened that day is i was fortunate enough to have friends in law enforcement who had been through a critical incident and actually been in a shooting not in the state of arizona but prior to coming to arizona Mm -hmm. and they said one of the biggest things that they suggested as soon as i got sworn you know was is 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 get yourself you know basically a a union without a union right because obviously we don't have a union here in the state of arizona but get you know assistant representation thank you right yeah multiple syllable word (laughs) occasionally i come out with those words uh and so I had representation and through an organization that I pay for every month and, and that person was able to respond. And I think a lot of my feeling of going to be okay came from the resources that I had surrounding me right. that I knew I was in good hands. You had a lot of capable people. I like capable people. Again, not, I'm not the smartest person in the room. I'd like to just surround myself with people that are smarter than me to help me get to where I need to be. Yeah. And one of those people was my attorney and I, to this day, one of the smartest attorneys I've ever met in my entire life and had been through numerous police shootings and, and done a lot of them. And, and I remember it was kind of funny. We were talking at, at the, at the offsite location. And at that same day that I was in mine, Phoenix had been in one on, in their city. And so it just so happened that he got called to mine first. Was he a Phoenix officer? Uh, the, the attorney? Yeah. No, he's not. He's never been an oh, okay. officer. So he's always been an attorney. His brother actually works for another agency, but he's never been an officer. And so he, it was funny because we were talking about it and he was, I guess he got a call from somebody and they're like, oh, we guess you're here. You're going out to Phoenix. And he's like, nope, going out somewhere else today, <laughs> you know, cause I get, you know, and so it was just kind of funny. We were laughing about how I kind of beat him to the punch and right. how I was fortunate to it, but very, very smart man, very articulate, very well-spoken. And it's nice to have somebody on the outside looking in, right? As mm-hmm. he has no skin in the game. So yep. to speak. Right. he doesn't work for my agency. He's not yep. affiliated with the agency. He's an outside person looking at my best interest. And it was nice to have somebody in that perspective Mm -hmm. and at the same time right i had people in my agency who were willing to help me if i needed it go to my family right i by this time i'd already called my my girlfriend you know now soon to be wife and i kind of tasked her unfortunately with letting the rest of the family know sure right as i remember talking to her and saying you know and we you know we both work we're both working professionals so time was a call she's like hey can i call you back 
I'm like, yeah, that's fine. No problem. Well, this one, I was like, no. I was like, you need to listen. And I, and <laughs> or so, you're going to hear it on the news. <laughs> right. And so she, uh, and I remember talking to her after the fact, and she was like, you know, she was in like Old Navy buying something. And she's like, I just walked away from the register. She's like, I'm checking out. And she's like, mid scanning my stuff and swiped my car. And I just walked outside. And because she's like, I knew something was wrong when you're like, no, you need to listen to me. Listen to me now. And so God bless her heart. Um, I'm forever thankful, forever grateful to her because she had to notify, you know, my mom, my grandparents, her parents of what had happened, right? And sure. so she kind of got tasked and got indirectly, but directly affected. Sure. Because I said, tell them these things. This yep. is what I know. This is what happened. If you don't, don't elaborate. I just, I don't know after that. This is what I know. He'll call you when he can, yep. right? Because obviously I'm getting pulled in a million different directions, albeit good directions, right? Sure. But I'm not going to answer every phone call or every text message that right. comes in. And I can tell you, I remember one of the things I remember on that day was looking at my phone and the number of text messages <laughs> and phone calls not saying I did anything wrong, but happy to hear you're okay and yes. we're here for you, right? Yes. Is the, the, serious, sincere, the sincerest form of flattery is somebody reaching out to check on you or thinking of you in that time of need, mm -hmm. right? So almost would have been more hurt if nobody would have reached out, <laughs> right? right? But when sure. you see multiple, multiple, multiple text messages, double-digit text messages that you have to read and go through, right? It, it makes you, it makes you feel better, right? Because there's enough people out there that know and care about you that want to make sure you're okay. Right. Mm -hmm. And, the, and the, the phone calls as well. And obviously I subsequently responded to all those later because I, again, I think you need to respond and acknowledge all the people that took time out of their sure. day to, to reach out to you and then get back to them. Cause obviously after I left work that day, I had to go talk to my mom and I remember talking to her and she had like the thousand yard stare when I was talking to her, you know, and my mom's been in the medical field for 30 plus years mm -hmm. now and seen a lot of things. Uh, I mean, she works at an inner city hospital, you know, but I still remember the looks on her faces that day that it just, yeah. it was, you know, kind of surreal because you never close go into this home. job, right? Close to home. Right. And you yeah. never think it's going to happen to you, but when it does, right. You know, then you kind of like, wow, kind of a, an, you know, shock and awe as I would like to call it. Yeah, sure. So, well, the, and in critical instance that you're bringing up a really interesting point that I think people need to understand, um, you know, as my team in Alabama with the peer support, sure. One of the things we ask in every debriefing, and it was always funny to to ask this up in New York, post 9-11, uh -huh. what's something positive that came from this negative? Right. And they'd look at you like, have you lost your mind? Have you been right. to ground zero? You know. Right. And then as they would start to talk, it would be things like, well, I started hearing from people I haven't heard from in years. Sure. Or relatives calling, right. that kind of stuff. And that's what takes the negative mm -hmm. and turns it into a positive is right. you start to see the number of people that you may not even have heard from right. in a while hear about it and suddenly start reaching out not to get be nosy or right. but just to say i'm here if you need me right yeah and i think one of the things that i would say that's a positive and i and i would encourage any agency to do this and even my own mm -hmm. right is is i would like to talk about it more yes. because i would want people to know what the order system process is when it if it happens to you and mm -hmm. what to expect and know that it's going to be okay as well as the aftermath correct this is what mark travels and tells people and it's funny because when he first came to me i told him I, he didn't know me and i said you're going to travel around this country and tell your peers you were broken and he looked at me and goes no i'm not and he tells that story in front of the classes everywhere we teach sure and he goes huh I guess she won that fight <laughs> right, right, <laughs> as he's right. in Memphis right. or Milwaukee or wherever sure. we are. And those are the things it is a, the, you know, you can find the tactical stuff. Mm -hmm. That's a dime a dozen. People won't talk right. about their shooting, but rarely do people talk about the negative things that happened to them afterwards or what they perceive to be negative sure. that they didn't want to talk to anybody about. Right. 
And everywhere Mark tells that story, people are texting us before we hit the airport or coming up to him on a break and mm-hmm. saying, you know, man, I thought it was just me who felt that way. Right. I know I'm going to be okay because you're okay. Sure. And it's important that we start to share those stories right. more. Right. And that's something law enforcement doesn't do. I agreed. Well, it, it sounds like, and this is something obviously I've never been through. Right. right. Uh, but it sounds Shockingly. like. Shockingly. Right. Yeah, <laughs> fair. Um, <laughs> uh, but it sounds like the reason that you were able to kind of maintain and that things were able to keep functioning for you in your life or emotionally or whatever mm-hmm. was you were you were prepared as best you could be, really. And on top of that, because even the best prepared person, if, if catastrophe hits, it, it still falls to shambles. So the circumstance also was one of, it was pretty clear cut. There's yes. not a lot of questions. You know, it wasn't like a... Did tw- he have a weapon? Did he not have right. a weapon? It wasn't right. a 12-year-old right. kid with a squirt gun. Right. You know, right. so right. like stuff like that can right. change, you know, the Absolutely. surety of things. Absolutely. But it, it sounds like both a little bit of circumstance was on your side there. and. And the fact that you were prepared, and then other people just they they showed up when it mattered. So right, absolutely, that's that kind of all came together. So that's a good teaching moment right. for all of us who haven't been in it for someone like me, because you're making me think, okay, how do I prepare better for this? Maybe I'm not prepared sure. for it, right? Right. So I, I, I'm surrounded by good people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe there are things I could do, like having representation, things right. like that. So right. things that we could teach our fellow officers to be prepared right. for, because you don't you don't pick when that happens. I tell you what else makes a difference. Um, in your situation, had there been someone else injured or killed mm-hmm. before you got there, could have impacted how you dealt with it. Of course, absolutely. That's and that's I think the misconception so many people have. They go, "Oh, he shot and killed somebody." I hope nobody comes out of an academy not realizing that could be part of their job one day. Of course. And that's why you're prepared for it. Autopilot kicks in and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. But we don't teach about, because Mark's problem in Phoenix was that a woman was basically executed before he got there. Sure. Went on thinking home invasion turned out to be a domestic. Mm -hmm. And his issue was the guilt he felt as the problem solver, because that's how y'all are trained. Of course that he couldn't prevent it when she was probably dead before he got the call. Right. Those are the things we see officers struggle with in right. shootings, not the shooting, right. but something else surrounding it. And you didn't have that. Right. Of course. Which and, makes it. Yeah. And I think easier. a lot of it is, is we're, we're inherently all fixers. Yes, you are. Right. We the all problem want to solvers. fix. That's right. It. We're the problem solvers. We want, we want to, we want to solve everything, fix the problem, even if it's just for the short term. Sure. Right. It's the, taking somebody somewhere, removing them from a situation, right? Solving the problem and making the quote unquote world a better place yes. in that incident. Yes. Right. And if you can't do that, you kind of feel like, I don't say you feel like a failure, but you feel you like, do. you feel like what could I have done to change, change my reaction, change my perception and change my response to have made it better. Or I should have been able right. to make Correct. this better. Cause that's right. what our job is. And that's why I ask you what you would have told me day one in the Academy and you just said it. You wanted to make a difference. Sure. And I think that's the majority of people who stay in this industry. Right. We talk about you have attention deficit disorder mm-hmm. or ADHD, which means you're higher IQ. I'm not looking at you for any particular reason, Ace. <laughs> um, you're adrenaline junkies and you're caregivers. Right. And the internal conflict of those three is what creates the issues when another officer is killed before you get there, a child is injured, mm-hmm. something else happens. Right. And, and it's hard for us, too, because we have to maintain a level of professionalism. Yes. You know, and courtesy and respect and dignity. And 
little thing called laws in the Constitution. <laughs> right. Yeah. Minor <laughs> details. I just don't want yeah, that way. No. Y'all get caught up with all that. That we have stuff. to go by, right? Because again, right, we all have human emotion attached to Absolutely. incidents. But if I let those human emotions get the best of me, right, the subsequent investigation and or the punishment that's going to follow for somebody who committed a crime mm-hmm. could be lessened or not at all because consequences, you, right. not punishment. Okay. Let's, let, let, we have to be politically correct. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah, right. If we're going to say we're consequences, and it's consequences with a capital C, then there I'm going to make it a little more severe. <laughs> I like all it. All capital uh, letters. Exactly. Yeah, this is, it's definitely a balancing act. Like the, the whole job, everything, because when I, we, we talk about how it's, not impossible to keep your your private life and your work life as an officer separate like totally separate it It just doesn't work out properly and so then that's just one of the things we talk about with balancing but i mean balancing your eating your sleeping dealing with all these Mm -hmm. things your friendships your emotions and that's exactly where i'm going because that so that was that's is my struggle right sure so i'm a little more compulsive i'm a little more emotional and i'm ready to go die on that hill no matter how small the hill sure so well hey even the ants need a friend my friend yeah so, <laughs> so yeah and so and that's and we we're all i think that's one of the kind of cool things about the job if, if it doesn't kill you one way or another yes. um it can really kind of bring you to terms with your weaknesses because it really shines lights mm-hmm. through you uh, like it's it's really shown to me what i'm falling flat on of course um as long as you're willing to, to look at it right i know i know plenty of guys that have been in for a long time that just aren't willing to look at the cracks in their armor but absolutely i think most of us like you're saying problem solvers we want to fix things and it's it's that analytical mind where it's like okay that didn't go the best way it could have i can just see that (laughs) for face value what can i like our our thing is like debrief right like okay so what did i do what could i have done differently and all for the next time right because i can't go back in time and change it correct so that analytical mind if as long as you adopt that and i think you're willing to look at yourself and self-reflect like we were talking about Mm -hmm. I think you can, this job really has the, or lifestyle, career, craft, whatever you want to call it, trade, it has the ability to really kind of make something excellent out of you because of the pressures it puts on you. Of course. But um, here's what the public also needs to understand. I don't know that law enforcement necessarily does until you say it, but there's no way to prep. Y'all deal with so, such a vast amount of things. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is why we talk about the stress management being so important in law enforcement because stress is change. And like you said, we can go to the same call 50,000 times, but every time there's going to be something different, whether it's lighting, attitude, alcohol, something. Right. So there's no way to prep somebody for every scenario y'all can possibly deal with, unlike the assembly line worker that's going to have certain things break. Right. Right. That's pretty... You know, we can pretty much figure that one out. Mm -hmm. But you guys, it could be everything from stopping a car and what's my position. You lost one hit by a vehicle. Um, And so you're not just looking at somebody having a flat tire on the side of the road or something. You got to look at your position in all of this as well. And their safety, the public safety, the people drive. There are just so many factors. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think for us, there's so many factors, but also there's no margin for error right and if the error is committed there's grave consequences right so the factory worker right making you know the widget yep. right the, that company knows there's an inherent amount of widgets that are going to be wrong sure. right they they, they, they incorporate it into their lost costs right and they they just say hey there's so many widgets that we're just not going to be able to sell that are going to get stolen that are just not going to be widgets in everybody's home exactly right we do that in in law enforcement right people lose their life yep right people get gravely injured 
right? There's there's people that are, lives are forever altered yes. by those decisions that are made by either ourselves or somebody else. And vice versa. Right. Correct. And so I think that's, and, and I'll be the first to say it, is we seem to be the jack of all trades and the master of none. Yes. Because I can remember, you know, even early in my career going to calls and having to leave those calls where it was high intensity output and adrenaline just, you know, about to spew out of the top of your eyeballs, right? Mm -hmm. Then having to go to a matter where you might as well just throw the adrenaline out the window, right? Because it's a, you know, it's it's something about, you know, some paperwork or, you know, somebody's shoelaces or a stick of gum or... My neighbor right. cut over into my grass exactly, and cut right? it shorter than right. I like to short it. Right. Cut you know, it. Yes. I want to complain about my, my neighbor's dog barking at 6.01 a.m., yes. right? And he can't bark until 6.03 yeah. a.m., <laughs> exactly. you know? And so you have to be able to have the wax and the wane, we'll call it, or the ebb and flow and manage it all and still provide that level of service that sure. everybody expects with comes with you know smile on your face and yes ma'am and no ma'am and yes sir no sir courtesy yeah this is why i'm not a cop (laughs) um one of the sheriffs from alabama god rest his soul he was an amazing man went to new york with me and he told me after seven days with me up there coming back on the plane he goes susan my worst nightmare would be coming back finding you on my payroll i said sir you have no idea (laughs) i said i'm the type i stop them they say i pay your salary I shoot them and go, not your problem anymore. And we move to the next call. (laughs) He goes, exactly my point. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So it's, it's been a, you know, it's been something that I will forever, you know, hold in, hold inside of me and have a story to tell. But at the end of the day, I don't let it define me, right? Good. I don't walk in every room that I that I meet with people like, hi, I'm so and so, right? And this I is was what in a shooting, to me. right? Exactly, right? <laughs> I, I don't. It doesn't define me as a person. It doesn't define me as a job I do. It doesn't define me as a as a friend, as a you know, as a leader, as a brother, as a anything, right? It's part of my job, and it's something that happened that day in my career, and I will obviously have that quote unquote incident or that memory, um, to, to speak about or to, to discuss or to elaborate on help others and help others. And I, and again, back to what we talked about earlier is and I do think it is something that we need to discuss in the event that it does happen to people that they know it's going to be okay. Right. And here's sure. what, here's what to expect and here's what's going to go on and, you know, take that deep breath and just, you know, relax. And, and part of it is the, the intangibles too, right. Is everybody comes from a different background yes. or is a different point in their life you know, where they may be affected just because of their lack of life experience. We call it the psychological garbage can. Yes. Depends on how full your garbage can is. You can completely overreact to something you think. Right. But the reality is it wouldn't fit in your garbage can. Right. And you have that emotional outpouring or whatever it is. Sure. And people need to understand everybody's garbage can's at a different place. Right. Yeah, right. But we don't teach you how to reduce that garbage. Well, and some garbage cans are the size of, you know, the one next to my desk, and some are 40-yard roll-offs at a construction site. Some so, of them have a trash compactor, right. too, and I've met a few of those. Exactly. Have, and, and it comes down way down the road. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. I want to know about your fiance. How did she respond to – is she in first responder she field? She is not. She, okay. she works in the financial world. She is not a first responder. Uh, she has been with me since the beginning. So she saw the – maturation if you will right from applying to the process to the academy to field training to Good. transitions of departments it's it, so she's seen it all it wasn't like you know we had been dating six months when this occurred i mean she's been right. through the the ebb and flow or the the giant uh, maturation process if you will of my sure. law enforcement career how did she handle all of this and how has, has it affected her in any way she handled it amazingly in regards to somebody who's not in law enforcement mm-hmm. i think she knew in her mind that it could always happen right mm-hmm. and you talk about it but until you actually get those calls, and again, right, she answered her phone that day. You know, sure. she's amazing about 
always answering the phone when I call at work just to make sure it's I'm okay, right? Or I'm calling for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. And if it's not, she can call me back. Um, you know, after the fact of quote unquote checking on me or being there, and you know, we were obviously living together at the time, and you know, there's that fine line you walk with people that have been in something, right? Is it check on them all the time? Right. Or leave them alone. Right. right. And if you check on them too much. That's going to annoy them more than if you just would have left them alone. Right. But if you left them alone, then they sure. feel like you don't care about them. So sure. she did an amazing tightrope act of walking that line of, of, I literally have no complaints with anybody in my family. And she was there and, uh, was listened to things I had to say or checked on me or, you know, was there if I, if I wanted to go get something to eat that night or somewhere special, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, well, let's not do that or let's do this or, you know, she was willing to change her schedule and adjust her schedule and didn't care how it affected her side and was there from the beginning. So I literally am forever fortunate and blessed too to have her sure. there that day. And again, I tasked her with something that day that's a big task, right? I didn't want to make four, five, six, seven phone calls to family. I said, unfortunately, you know, you're going to be put in the limelight now and you're going to have to make these phone calls. And she did it without hesitation. And for that, I'll always be forever grateful and forever humble for it. How about anxiety of you going back to work? Yeah, I was going to ask what was her... If she, if she had a big concern, which I'd imagine she had some concerns, sure. what was what was that that she had to overcome it, it, from your own opinion? Because <laughs> she's not here to answer. Right, that right. Um, we probably I, should bring her on the show. <laughs> no, I told her, I said, hey, when we talked about coming on the show, yeah. I said, well, get ready. You're going to be on there one that's, time too. That's and, right. And so I and I seriously think she should be honest because obviously the, family, the families are affected by things that happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I think for her just like you do sometimes with children, right? You, you can't, you may not, you may not like it or you may not, uh, I don't want to say support it, but you, it may not be a choice for you, but you have to let them go learn. Yes. And not, and she didn't want to see me fail. Right. But it, she doesn't want to be a cop, but she knows that's my, she doesn't, she knows that's my job. Right. right. And she's not going to say, I expect you to now to leave the force or take, you know, three months off and never go back. I mean, I think right. she understood that while it's not the job for her, it's, it's my job and it's what I do for a living. And, it, and it's, it's my profession and to be supportive of, whatever I, de- I deemed right. So if I took two weeks off, she was going to be okay with me taking two weeks off. Sure. If I went back in the three days, she mm-hmm. went back, she'd be okay with the three days. If I said, you know, I'm going to step away, she would have been okay with me stepping away. I think it was, she supported whatever decision I made reference that incident. Cause that's how, how she is with my job and my career. Now, if I say, Hey, I'm going to go work graveyards cause I want to. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, whatever you want to do, I support. Right. So I'm forever blessed to have a, a companion or a spouse that supports anything I do in the career. She never says, well, it's not good for me or it's not good for your mom or it's not good for our dog child or it's not good for the kid that we're going to have. Right. It's <laughs> right. It's, it's whatever, whatever you want to do, we support. I and hope I'm there are a lot of spouses out there listening to this Sure. because the reality, and again, having been married to it for 20 years and around it for much, much longer, you know, my attitude about it, if I were her is he's shown me he can take care of himself and he will. Sure. Yep. That's huge. Right. And you have the ability. And again, there's a difference for officers if their departments are kind of coming after them. Right. And that kind of stuff, then families tend to get a lot more involved and paranoid. And I get sure. all that. Right. But just the positive support all around. And the reality is, is you can get killed being a truck driver. Right. right. You know, whatever you choose to do. Right. It, yeah. Something can happen of to you. You can die in anything you do. And obviously we can do in as well. And I think that she understands that. And I think she also saw the struggle of what it took to get hired mm-hmm. and what it takes to get in a profession, right? This isn't a job where you get application on Monday, interview on Wednesday, you start on Friday. Right. Yeah, no. right? And I've, and Although I had, we may be getting closer to True, that. true, right? <laughs> uh, and so I had a, a one of our, our sergeants 
say during a briefing one time, or one of our senior sergeants who's been on 20 plus years, right? This is the hardest job to get and the easiest Easy job to lose. to lose. Yes. And I think she, and I think my, my soon to be wife thinks about that as well, because she knows the trials and tribulations it takes to get to this point in your yes. career, meaning what it takes to basically show up every day and get a paycheck, yes. right? It's not, it's not an easy task. Not everybody could do it. Right. Right. I joke all the time. If everybody could do our job, they'd be a firefighter. Um, <laughs> Amen to that one. And, we agree. <laughs> and she wasn't going to sit there and say, you know, walk away from something you've poured your heart and soul into and you've wanted to do for so long yeah. just sure. because of one incident or something that's, that's there. And I think the flip side of that too is she knew it didn't define me. Right. Right. She knew when I came home that day, I was going to kiss her and hug her, right? She knew I was going to kiss and hug my mom, sure. right? She knows I was going to call my grandparents and talk to them. She knew what else was going to happen in life other than for me to sit down, you know, and I jokingly talked about it earlier, right? I'm not going to sit down and watch Chips and Police Academy, <laughs> right? And, oh, sure you do. You know, <laughs> Don't tell me that. And, and, and those things that, you know, that I'm not all cop all the time. Hill so Street I think, Blues. Yeah, Hill Street Blues. You know, I think <laughs> I saw TJ Hooker and Hunter on last yeah, time on the television. Yeah. So Walkup's going to say, what are those? I <laughs> know, um, children. I, you know, it's really funny when I teach the academies now, I have to take in pictures of a pager, picture of a pay phone, picture mm-hmm. of a phone book. Because right. the new recruits look at you like, huh, what are right. you talking about? Yeah, right. they wouldn't know who TJ yeah, Hooker was. There was no was. internet. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, it's like you're saying, it, it's that great balancing act. Like if you can't, if you're all cop all the time, and we all know people that are like that. Of course. And it's, it's hard sometimes to watch because when something goes wrong in that world, they're falling apart. Right. Right. So, and, and we kind of talked about this before the show started is I, you, both of you, Susan and Moniker, <laughs> I was, I was going to be call calling him. That I know. You see him now. It is, you, there's something I've learned from talking with both of you. Cause I came from the perspective, uh, from another episode where we were talking about how, you know, this is kind of who we are and what we do as officers. Mm-hmm. Like, cause that's how, it, that's how it felt. I meant that when I said that, like I said, I'm emotional, right? Right. So uh, he's to, such a girl to me. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm pretty too. <laughs> um, and so it, it really felt like, yeah, this is like who I am. This is what I love doing. It defines like a lot of, of course what I am. And then in talking to you, you're like, yeah, but that what I took away from the conversation with you is like, is that really true though? Or does it have to be? Right. And that made me think about it. Like, oh, maybe it not only does it not have to be, maybe it shouldn't. Right. Because right? balance. It's, it, well, that's the key, though. It, it, because the nature of the lifestyle right. is that you can be fired for doing things off duty that a lawyer, a doctor, an accountant, right. a garbage man, right. a secretary right. cannot be fired for. Right. You are held to higher standards Correct. in certain things. And as much as I wish I could tell y'all, it's nine to five, Monday through Friday, leave your crap in the car and you're done. But again, I've dealt with officers off duty without Mm -hmm. their weapon Mm -hmm. and they are in a bank and it's robbed. And guess who gets disciplined? Right. Even though they're off duty. Right. There's a level of expectation. Of course. Especially if the public knows you're in there and you don't do it. That's for sure. And so in that regard, it, 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 it can't be black and white. Yeah, there have right. to be the shades of gray where you understand what is expected. Absolutely. Yeah. Off duty. And, and coming from that, that that immature mind, right? Like that's what we were talking about. You, you take it to the extreme. Exactly. So I, I, yes. it was easier for me, even though really it complicated things, but it was easier for me to see it as black and white. Sure. Like I'm all cop all the time. Well, that's easy. I'm just, I just don't have anything else to worry about. I'm always a cop. Like, right. But what that does is complicate your whole life. Right. Because you're not balancing properly. You're not you don't have something else to lean on or something else that gives you value (laughs) as a person. So that's really important. And then something else that you were saying about your uh, your fiance and how she supported you. There were there were two things 
that my wife did uh, in this process that I, the first one I thought was remarkable was when I was first interested in becoming a, an officer mm-hmm. um, was later. I was like you. I had no desire to be a cop my right. whole life. And then my wife's cousin, who's a cop up in Colorado mm-hmm. for some sheriff's department, I think it's like Greeley or something like that. Yeah. Um, it was a family reunion. We were talking and she was like, actually, I know you're all going to make fun of me, but it's part of the story. So it's good. <laughs> I wanted to be a firefighter. Uh, of course. You right. Like, yeah, I know. I know. Where's the red man stick? I know. Let's just be. I'm going to get now. beat when I go back to work. But it's but it's true. And it's interesting. So I, I was talking to her about this and why I wanted to do it. And she's like, everything you're saying sounds like you want to be a cop. Right. Not mm-hmm. a firefighter. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And she's like, trust me, you'd love it. So I started looking into it. I went on a couple ride alongs um, and th- it, I fell in love with it. Sure. So m- and my wife at the time was like, whoa, like, I don't know, man, this I don't like the idea of it, like having to worry about you and whatever. And so we talked about it a little bit. She wasn't really on board. And that cousin, Aaron was her name. Um, thanks, Aaron. If you're listening, she's awesome. Uh, without me knowing my wife went to Aaron and they talked about it. Of course. And then my wife came home that night and she says, I talked to Aaron and she said something that changed my mind. And it's, she made me realize that I don't want to be the thing that stands between you and a dream that you have and a thing that you want to be the thing that yep. you think you are. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that was really cool. Cause, and I, and I could tell by, going to the departments and trying out and doing all this stuff. It took me five years to get hired. There was a lot of failure there sure. um, before I finally got on. And she was with me every step of the way, which just proved her words, right? Absolutely. And that was super uh, supportive and interesting because I've seen couples that are not like that. And the, the husband's already a cop or the wife's already a cop and there's still not a lot of support. Sure. So that's, that's really important to finding that balance tying it back is having that person that's important in your life support you because you that conflict is going to be destructive right you know you're making them choose whether or not you say that out loud if if you're not on board that it really feels like a like a battle or a struggle of course and I, and I think no cop should have to or nobody should even as a society as a whole right you don't want to go work for 8 10 12 hours and come home and have to put in that much more work in your home front yeah. Right. I don't want to go. I don't want to go work and solve people's problems for eight or ten hours or twelve hours, and come home and solve my problems for eight or ten or twelve hours. Yeah, right? it's exhausting. Right. <laughs> you want a conducive, a conducive, copacetic relationship with the parties in your life, right? Because yeah. that's when you're supposed to decompress or sure. step away or not be in that limelight all the time. If you're at that, you know, spot where you're basically trying to, you know, solve a problem like you were at work, mm-hmm. you know, you never get that time off and that time away, right? Yep. And then talk about being all, you know all cop all the time, right? Well, that's why people need days off and they need vacation time and they need to not be there, you know, 24 seven because you need time to realize that there's a broader, broader scope of things out there. Right. Or as I'd like to tell people, you know, you gotta, you gotta Bob Ross your life, right. You know, yeah. you gotta, you gotta, paint, you know, you gotta paint a, paint a complete picture, right. Not just one, one track mind, one track all the time of, yeah. of something going on in your life. And that's huge. Cause there are a lot of guys out there who don't have somebody who supports them mm-hmm. and they go home and they regret, they, I don't say they regret, but they dread going home because they know what's coming. Sure. So then they do the flip side and they wrap themselves up in work. And so they work 12, 14, 16, 18 hours a day, six days a week, mm-hmm. you know, because it's they feel that it's better being at home, or excuse me, better to be at work than it is at home, right? But then you cause burnout and you cause, you know, um, sleep deprivation. Sleep deprivation. You cause other things that then, then when you do have time off, right, it goes back to the things at home that you yeah. haven't addressed or you haven't dealt with. Well, yeah. and you can have guys married 
working because they don't want to go home because right. we haven't trained the family. Right. <coughs> yeah. This and that's vital. Correct. Because it is a lifestyle. Right. I know I was Marshall's biggest stressor sometimes. Mm-hmm. Nobody taught me how to be the wife of a DE agent. I didn't know my role. Right. I had to learn. And that's why we push this eight-hour training that we do because y'all can't educate spouses. Correct. You can try. I've had officers try. Mm-hmm. And it always made me mad because I'm like, right. you're not the one sitting at home waiting for the phone to ring, right. all that kind of stuff. It needs to come from a spouse. And what's funny is the spouses will say, um, or the officers will say, oh, she's going to take the spouse's side every time. Uh, no, I'm not. Right. <laughs> not at all. I've been around too many of y'all. But we have to train them what their role is, what part they can play in making life easier. Because here's the deal. I hear it all the time. <clears throat> officers will say, my wife just doesn't understand. Well, do you talk to her about this job? Oh, hell no. No. <laughs> No, absolutely not. You know, and I go, well, we duh, where do you, you know, as, as Grossman calls it, where do you want her to learn it? On the idiot box? Right. You know, the television? Right. And because, you know, my attitude used to be, I used to take the kids up to the office to see their dad so they knew him as something other than a picture on the wall sure, in the kitchen. And every time we went by, he'd have his feet propped up on the desk, drinking a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. BSing with all the state and local narcotics guys. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen a drug bust on the news, so this must be what you do all day. Right. I need you to talk to me about this job. Right. Mm-hmm. And whether you give details of blood and gore or not, that's up to me as to what I want to hear. Right. You don't make that decision. I make it. Correct. And that's what we have to teach. And then we wonder why divorce is rampant in this industry. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I can't imagine. Yeah. It's, it, I think sometimes we have, you have to find what works for your family. Cause it's a, like you said, it's like up to you exactly what you can deal with, with him telling you to what detail, right. like my wife wants to know every awful detail. It, and that's just how her mind works. She sure. wants a complete picture. Sure. And like when I started, she told me, she was like, yeah, that whole not telling me stuff. Yeah. Don't worry about that. Tell me anything you want to tell me. If you don't feel like talking about it, just let me know you don't want to talk about it. And when, and as far as worrying about me going to work, I've heard her tell other wives when they, cause inevitably, I'm sure whenever you have people over for dinner that aren't mm-hmm. police related, right. There's always going to be the questions about, can you get me out of a speeding ticket? Of course. Uh, you know, what, you know, have you been in any fights lately? Have you shot anybody? Right. Have you shot? Where's your gun? Only, and then the wives always discuss like, oh, how do you deal with him being right. gone all the time? Don't, aren't you afraid he's going to die? Like, right. so one of the things that my wife, I've heard her say, and never just to me as like a, like a, I don't know. She doesn't use it as, as like a tool to make me feel like she supports me. It's just something I've experienced. I've watched her talk to other wives, so I know it's real. And she's, she's told them. No, he he trains for this all the time. Like he's prepared. Sure. They taught him how, and then he continues to learn and grow, and he he can handle it. And if something comes along that he can't handle, well, I mean, who who can change that? Right. Right. There's there's some things out of your control, and the things that he can control, he tries to control. And so she just seems at peace with it, which is really cool. If you can get there as a spouse, if that mm-hmm. if you're if and they better have a good sense of humor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because, you know, I used to I used to laugh. I don't even remember where the phrase came from, but I used to remember when he'd leave, I'd go, don't go get killed. And yeah. <laughs> um, I remember I was pregnant with our first child and he came home late one night and woke me up 
and told me he was worth $275,000 dead. I thought he meant his life insurance went up. Right. And I went, well, that's nice, dear. And I rolled over. He goes, you don't understand. It's the first contract put out on me. I said, great. Then don't make me mad. I'll be a rich widow. And we moved <laughs> on. <laughs> you know, because again, for me, you wake me up in the middle of the night. I'm pregnant. Th- this is the, the, right. the compounding factor. <laughs> and you want to tell me that? And I'm supposed to do what with that exactly? Right. Uh, you know, crying, oh, my God. Nope, we're going to use that sick humor to get through it as well. Yeah. And we need to, and we need to know that that's okay to do that. Right. That's a huge part of this. Yeah. Right. And I think a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of spouses and or plus ones or, you know, I, I, whatever term you choose to use in a relationship, you know, don't fully understand it. Mm-hmm. Or they've come in after the fact you know, and, and one of the things I, I think I'm a firm believer in, I should say, I think I know I'm a firm believer in is, you know, is a ride along, right? Granted, we're a little different world right now because of the pandemic, right. you know, but I can remember my first, I think 18 months on maybe two years, like she went on a ride along and she saw, you know, the places we walked into, right. And the people we dealt with and how we responded to things and the camaraderie amongst your squad mates. Right. And sure. the, and how you retreated at, in, in the building. And I think a lot of that is, is the fear of the unknown, right. Mm-hmm. Is we don't want to. We don't want to tell them what happened and we don't want to let them go see what happened, but then we want them to understand what happened. Right. And I think even just talking and then furthering it by, you know, riding along and seeing that there's days where, you know, it's, it's boredom, it's, you know, one and a half miles an hour and it's super slow. Right. And there's other times where the speedo's busting out of the car. Right. And, you know, tires are screeching and it's just, that's the way it goes. Right. This is not a planned event. This is not a planned day. We are, we are a reactionary based society of, of people that we have to then go where we are called. So I think it's the, they try to keep it out of sight, out of mind, but mm-hmm. then until it affects something in the house and then it's not out of sight, out of mind, it's right in front of their face. Well, if you have a knowledge of what they're doing because you've seen it firsthand, sure. you can make your own perception or your own interpretation of, of those things, right? Opposed to him telling you, cause he's telling you how he perceives it. And I shouldn't say he, they right. receive it, <laughs> you know, cause when I tell, tell my, you know, my fiance is something it's how I perceived her, what had occurred that day. Right. But if she goes out and sees it firsthand and has a firsthand account of knowledge of what goes on, then they have a greater understanding of what we see every day or what we interact with every day. And that's not even at the fiance, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, you know, level that's at, even at, I think for non sworn people within departments, right. As I've had records people and, and dispatch dispatch people, right. Is, you know, we all have roles, but, until you work that role or see that role, you yep. don't know, right? Like I have no idea how hard it is to be a dispatcher until I went into dispatch, right? And I tell people all the time, God bless them for what they do. Absolutely. Because do they, they're like in there launching satellites, talking Couldn't to NORAD, right? Like finding <laughs> yeah. stuff Couldn't on Mars, right? There's there's huge camera, there's huge camera screens and computers and radios going. And I'm like, I got to worry about talking on the radio for myself, right? let alone managing a bunch of other people and, and all this stuff. So now that's a job I'd never do. Right. And kudos to them because how well they do it. And they're tied to a Right. They're tied desk. to a chair. Right. I said, you know, let one of the officers be in trouble. You'd look up and see my chair spinning. I'd be going somewhere. I don't know where I'd be going. But right. I'd be trying to find <laughs> right. somebody. Right. But and, and I agree 100 percent in ride alongs. I'm not big on spouses or significant others riding with their significant other sure. because we've seen that event go bad. Of course. Multiple times. Um, but I do think it's important to get out and experience it. Right. I want mental health. Right. That deals with to have to do so many hours of ride along. Right. You cannot sit in an office and talk to an officer if you haven't had some exposure first to their personalities because my job's easy y'all are all the same it's just different faces different names and a little bit different circumstance right but overall the personalities are pretty much the same you got to get to know that right 
And I think that's a, a and, and I'm big. I know in Alabama, they used to do this. Every officer or deputy had to spend time, so much time in dispatch. Of course. And every dispatch had to spend so much time in a ride along. Right. Because it's easy to sit in the car and be fussing and cussing about the dispatcher not <laughs> not doing whatever. Right. And I said to you, make them mad the first time you're getting your butt kicked and they go, please hold. Right. Right. right <laughs> we'll get right, back to you right. in 20 minutes. <laughs> right. You know? right. They'll teach you a lesson one way or the other. Oh, yeah. Of course. Um, but families have got to, it's admirable you try to protect them. Mm-hmm. with details but the reality is they deal with the attitude right and the consequences of course and if we don't know the details behind it then we've done something to make you act like this sure <laughs> and then problems start and this is where the training has to happen of course yeah it, 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 it never vital. stays an unknown that's that's something that i've learned in my own marriage not not even necessarily just with police stuff is if something goes unspoken like for me we everybody in this room knows everything i feel is expressed on my face oh and my, my body gosh language. like it's unavoidable yeah he doesn't need to have a vocabulary so, at all right no but so, i will play poker with him <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, true. that's why i don't play poker. that's true um but the the thing that i learned was if so if i'm feeling something and i'm frustrated or whatever and i'm like oh no i'm fine or i don't want to talk about it it doesn't remain an unknown thing to the wife. Oh, no. She fills in that gap and that unknown with whatever she presumes is most likely or a couple of things that she presumes is most likely. And that's almost never good because <laughs> it's, right. it's usually not accurate. Well, we're going to plug in and, what we think it is. Yeah. And, and it's going to be what you're afraid of or what makes you uncomfortable or insecure or whatever. And it's, and it's just destructive. It's better to get it out there and to talk about things. <laughs> Although it also... I'm learning in my experience that it's important how you talk about things. No, wonder he taught you that lesson. I can't imagine. Yeah. yeah, I have a great thing in the training I do with spouses, and it shows this couple laying in bed and their backs are to each other, and it's her diary, and she's going through the day. She went shopping with friends. She was late meeting him for dinner. He's been distracted, and by the time you get to it, to the end of her diary. She's in bed crying. He doesn't love me anymore. He must be seeing somebody else. And then you roll over to his diary and it says, huh, rifle wouldn't zero in today. Can't figure out what's wrong with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a lot of truth to this. Yeah. 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 And so, um, yeah, we, I mean, I'd love to have her on sometime. Yeah. I think it would be fun actually have them both in here. Yeah, we, we, and, we should do an example of. Uh, communication and pitfalls and things like that that would be really yes good. Mm-hmm. yeah I we think... can we can do it and um i you know i told her hey get, get ready for it and you know she kind of got big like what am i gonna do? Like, all right. well know. it's the other half of the whole lifestyle that right. needs to be told and right. again yeah. i can tell it from my perspective from back then but that was 100 years ago and um you know and my kids are grown so i don't have any right. new stories from them right. but it, it's it's something that law enforcement has tried too long to protect families admirably of course and it's led to a lot of serious issues yeah absolutely that we can head off and i think because it's it's the same kind of thing that i was talking about with my dealing with things immaturely with the black and white yes it's it seems easier to keep it black and white to keep things in their lane sure but that's just not life man things blend together it's messy it's blurry so we we got to learn to to balance that disaster somehow and that's far and it gets blurry too i think because you know when you get into this profession you know, you, you, you stay in contact with friends that you had before the profession, right? But a lot of your friends that you make or you keep or you talk to on an ongoing basis are in the profession. Yes. One, because they can relate to what you've been through. Sure. Because right? they've generally been in some similar, right? But also, too, if you want to go have socialization, 
you know, not many people are off on Wednesday at 1130 in the morning, right? As you, get, you know, you got to find somebody on that similar schedule, right? And all your friends that have gone to corporate America nine to five Monday through Friday, sure. and you're like, you know, and you want to, you want to see them or you want to spend time with them. It's, it's, they're not, they're not on your schedule, right? We right. all work random days, random hours. So the people that you connect with or elaborate with, or that you confide in, right, or on something similar scheduled to you, or they, you know, they've been there and it's easier to, to go that route than to call your, you know, call your investment advisor, you know, and be like, Hey, you want to go have lunch? He's like, well, yeah, I got 30 minutes and I got to be back in the office. And you're like, Oh, well it's Tuesday and I'm off, you know, and they call you on Saturday and you're like, Hey, this is hour eight of hour 17 for me today. Cause we're short staffed. Right. Sure. So it's trying to manage your prior law enforcement life and your experiences and the people you have with your current one. Because again, nothing in this job is equal to that job. And right. so trying to incorporate all of that and help them, you know, be on the same page, understand it, see it, and then obviously spend time with them gets more and more challenging. And again, that doesn't even take into fact the, you know, once you add kids to the equation, sure. right. Or, or the kid responsibilities of the, the soccer and the t-ball and then you get a dog and, you know, taking the dog for a walk and just trying to exercise and stay healthy. And, and the grass yeah, needs and cutting. Grass, <laughs> grass needs cut, right. And then you got the PTA meeting and then you got the HOA board and all of a sudden, right. You know, you're, you don't have enough time to do these things. And so it's trying to fit all those things into your odd schedule yes. because you're not on the same schedule as everybody else that works, quote unquote, mm -hmm. normal America, right? Because we're anything but normal in this job. Yeah. And there's another pitfall only because we lived it. And I think the pitfall is bigger and greater now because the criminal element has changed what it looks like so much. It can right. be the grandmother. It can be the right. accountant. It can be the right. financial planner. And the next thing you know, you're caught in an investigation that you didn't even know was a possibility right. because somebody knows this person that's a friend of yours mm -hmm. is a major trafficker or whatever they're doing. Right. And again, we had that happen to us. Oh, a couple, of, Yeah, the builder of our home, next door neighbor, turned out to be a major cocaine trafficker. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. And um, it led to, fortunately, somebody telling us. And him being able to get to his supervisors before someone else got to them. Right, yeah. And then eventually, I mean, he opened a case on him, and then eventually we were moved. Right. Um, well, his version of building with bricks was different than your version of building with bricks. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just an interpretation of what you want to use. Yeah, it's all perspective. Yeah, it's all perspective, well, right? I mean, it's, you know. It, it was the New Year's Eve parties that probably caused us the most heartburn, where several agents as couples would go, and we found out they were all snorting coke and laughing about the DE agents downstairs. Like, these guys are oh, on geez. duty checking everybody at the right, door. Right, you right. know, But it kind of makes you go, well, we're probably not going to step into that again. Exactly. And then Absolutely. it makes you more paranoid and... Right. Again, paranoid is prepared in this industry, but sadly, the criminal element really has changed. Absolutely, it doesn't look like it did twenty-five years ago. You right. don't wear like burglar masks <laughs> and black and white striped T-shirts. <laughs> and again, the grandmother can shoot you and kill you, or the eight-year-old can right. shoot you and kill you. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, it's a constant, fluid situation for y'all, and that's why I say we can't train you for everything you could possibly come up against. Right. And but yet we expect you to handle it a hundred percent accurately every single time. Right. And, yeah. and that's probably one of the pitfalls of law enforcement, not in one specific or as a whole, right? Is criminals change at the blink of an eye, right? Yes. The latest and greatest scam sure. that, that can happen, right? But to infect change in a governmental regime takes time and takes yeah. an order system process, right? So it can be it can be done, it's just not as quickly. It's we're always we're always chasing, so to speak, right? Sure. We, this has now happened, so now we're gonna change our policies and practices to do this. And it takes, you know, six months, nine months, twelve months, two years because of the of the the legalities that come along with it. And that's obviously the challenge as well as trying to play catch up to 
the people that you're always trying to chase. Always reactive. We love love bureaucracy. Well, and and what's the favorite saying? It's been around law enforcement forever. When you say, why do you do it that way? Because we've always done it that way. Until something changes that tells us we really don't need to do it that way anymore. And that's the sad part. We're not proactive in listening to other people and saying, and, and the other issue is so much of management, and I can say this, hasn't been on the streets in forever. Of course. And they don't realize. I was at an agency one time that I was with a bunch of command staff that we didn't have anybody with less than 40 years. I'd never met anybody with 40 years experience. Right. And I asked the head of patrol. And, I mean, the guy could have had a walker. That's how old he was, (laughs) seriously. Right. And I was talking about how children will kill you for shoes and that kind of stuff and how things have changed. And he would argue with me. And I said, sir, when is the last time you were in a patrol car? Yeah. 28 years (laughs) you might want to get back out a little more often right you know find out the world is constantly changing and you need to know what it is to understand your people of course yeah it's a it's a game of adaptation absolutely without a doubt that's what well it's a game of adaptation even at the legality level yep right yes laws are written vaguely or they're written for and they interpret they're interpreted based on who reads them yes right they're open-ended you know, and God they, bless the Ninth Circuit. Right. So, <laughs> right. But if you don't live in the Ninth Circuit, right, and you live in a circuit that's going the other way. Come on, it's the Ninth Circus yeah. for a reason, so, boys. <laughs> you know, and that's the other problem, too, is, right, is we have criminals that change at the blink of an eye, right? Laws that are slow to change, but then the laws that are on the books are very, I don't say they're vague, right? Because, I mean, there's some very direct laws, right? But then they're challenged and there's open, open ended statements and then it's open for interpretation, right? Mm-hmm. And depending on who's in, what position sure. then is is how they enforce or how they affect laws based on what they say, you know. Yes. Right. And so right. that's a challenge you face as well because you may be doing something for a long time, and then a regime change comes in at multiple levels, right? And you have to change it because now it's looked at or adapted or interpreted that way that wasn't for so many years. And what do we talk about all the time, right? Cops hate two things: the way things are and change. Yes, you know. <laughs> so well, and I'll correct one thing: y'all hate change <laughs> unless you're in control of it. True. Because that's why a lot of you go into this. Because if I get bored over here, right, I can go right over here. Correct, very true. <laughs> but let your department tell you we don't want you over here. Right. We want you over here, and you lose your mind. <laughs> right, I would, I would, I would say that's a, that's a exactly. that's a fair statement. And know. so that's what draws the ADD person. That's what draws you into this. Right. <clears throat> so it, it's and again, the public just sees y'all as. It's a piece of cake. You just get out here. You got your ticket book. Right. You got your gun. You got your tools. You get out here and ride around. And I thought that too. Sure. Until I got out on ride-alongs. Yeah. Gotcha. And yeah. I learned a lot 29 years ago in those ride-alongs. Right, right. Of course. <laughs> and, and there was a lot of boredom that drove me crazy. Mm-hmm. And so I always said, you know, a paintball gun in the back seat, we could really get some stuff. Met. We can get right. some stuff going <laughs> when it's slow. Sure. Let's let's just get things kicked off a little bit. Of course, absolutely. Yeah, get get involved and be be part of that that lifestyle that your spouse has. If you're not in law enforcement and they are, absolutely, I think that's that's huge for understanding. My wife's gone on a number of ride-alongs on graves. She stayed all ten hours. Yay! That yes. was I was impressed. That is actually um, impressive. Yeah. So even even through a, a call where the uh, criminal element was uh, 
was coming on to me pretty good. Gotcha. So, yeah, gotcha. that was. Oh, that would have been fun. To that was watch. entertaining. Yeah, that's yeah. what she said too. Yeah, that she was like, "Wow, that was watch. that was fascinating." You were, Fred, <laughs> they were, you were Fred Flintstone, and they wanted to make your bedrock. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. And and your wife is over there going, "Isn't he cute? Don't yeah, you? Right? <laughs> he really is cute. I agree with you. <laughs> Encouraging." Yeah. At first, it was like, "Oh man, this is uncomfortable." And then I saw her laughing, so I was like, oh, "Okay, I'm good." Again, why wives should not ride with their yeah. spouse? Yeah, that's probably a good idea. So it, we're we're so happy that you came. Yes, uh, we, we can't thank you enough. We hope that we can schedule something with you and the lady. That would yes. be good. Of course, uh, yeah. Don't have to do next week, but we'll we'll yeah. work something out, and yeah. we're happy to have you here with your story. And um, if we get any questions, I'll send them your way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I would just uh, as we wrap up, there's one thing I, I, I we talked about it earlier is you know, so I went to my eval um, to make sure I was fit for duty to come back to work. Yes. And, you know, and, and luckily, I, honestly, I'll be the, I'll be the first to admit this. So, you know, to get hired as a cop, you have to take this big, huge psych test. Right? Yeah, the MMPI too. Yes. Yeah, you know what I mean? Three and it's so many hours. questions. I mean, like, you know, if you can make it through that, I feel like you can make it through anything in the job. Sure. Um, but I got in there and I'm like, I'm like starting to, like, I'm starting to get anxious, not because I got to see this guy, but I'm like, they're going to make me take that test again? Like, I don't want to. Like, <laughs> Most I, I, like, of the time you do. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't want to take this test again. Like, <laughs> exactly. I don't, I, no, it's like, I want to be a little kid. Like, no, I don't want it. You can't make me. Yeah, like, question right? What if they take you, the like, questions, flowers? the answers from that one and compare it to this one? Right. And so yeah. I was like, okay, but he's fortunate. I don't have to go. I don't have to take the test. And I go in and talk to him. And, you know, and they're talking to me about it, telling you what you can experience and, and things of that nature. And he's like, you know, how'd you sleep that night? You know, afterwards. And I was like, like a baby. Like I slept, <laughs> I don't know, eight and a half, nine hours. And that, that look on that guy's face, I'll never forget. He just was kind of like, okay. Like didn't really expect that answer to come out. But <laughs> you, you had know. the adrenaline dump. You're yeah, exhausted. Yeah. And I was like, no, I slept, you know, I slept great. And, Good. you know, and and didn't have any issues and it was just kind of funny because i think they were expecting to be like oh i tossed and turned i woke up in the cold sweats and yeah. you know, i had all these issues and i, was I kept like, seeing his face yeah i kept seeing his face i was like no no like, that's not the norm you know i'm like no i you know i, I slept i slept well you probably know? thought you were lying too right and i was just like no i'm good and so i was it was just kind of funny because i was more afraid about having to take that test again about purple flowers and airplanes yes um yeah. then just exactly. going to you know and asked you 12 different ways right exactly absolutely you mm-hmm. know and so it was, that was kind of one of the parts I remember talking about things you remember. Like I was thinking about sitting in that office being like, Oh, like being a little kid. I don't want to like, you <laughs> yeah. know, and then, but I didn't have to know. And I was okay. So well, a lot of times you know, they do take, make you take that. And, and I'm thankful they didn't. And then as soon as they, I was done, I, you know, I was like the, the kid when he got early release, like I yes. just hit the door running and, Ooh, and, no and back got off campus <laughs> to go as fast as I could. Yeah, so, later. uh, but it was, you know, it was, it was good. So again, you know, very, very thankful. Everybody was okay that day and, uh, you know, returned to work without any issues. And again, how, how thankful I am that I was treated well and treated with decency and respect and kindness. Sure. And, yeah. and I'll forever be grateful to everybody that was involved that day uh, in, my, in my incident because, you know, God forbid it happens again. Right. Right. That piece of the, the puzzle, that piece of concern is not there. Sure. Right. It's, it, those questions have already been, been answered. And, you know, I feel, feel almost at ease. God forbid it happens again, knowing mm-hmm. what kind of response I'll get from yeah. the people that I surround myself with. And, you know, we call it a 40 hour work week, but, uh, it's never 40 hours. So, no. yeah, no. you know, no. a vast majority of your life. And I, sure. I feel like it's a more a more rare example of a good example. We teach so often from the negative, even though we learn in GI school not to teach from the negative. Right, right. Uh, we, we have so many examples of things not going well and not going right. That's why we debrief, right? Like, right. what did we screw up? Right. But it's um, reality. Yeah. But this is, this is I think, a good uh, snapshot of what it could be. If, right. if it's and should be yeah right honestly if, right. It's, if it's taken care of proper right yes you know so it's that i mean good on the staff that was there that day that's awesome yeah. that they were able to pull together like that and take care of you so that's that's good i hope that that kind of thing continues to happen and that we can all learn and emulate that again yeah uh, of course and we obviously hope that it never happens again 
It's if, it, if, not when. Right. But when right. it does, right, that obviously, again, that it's mirrored. Oh, when, not if. Sorry, that was backwards. Right, right. That's okay. We, knew, we all knew what you meant. You know what right, I meant. Right, right, yeah, right, absolutely. Right, right. I'm old. Y'all got to remember that. No, no, it's good. <laughs> A little dyslexic, uh, too. So. So. <laughs> so, yeah, no, we're very, very fortunate and very thankful yeah. to this day. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. Well, yes. Well, welcome to 2021 in our first episode. Mm-hmm. And Ace will hopefully we'll make it through this year. We survived part of 2020. We've only been oh, by the on skin the of air. my teeth. Yeah, no kidding. All of us. Um, but we appreciate y'all listening to us and hope you'll encourage others to also listen to the podcast, either whether you're listening on SoundCloud or Spotify. And yep. I saw where so SoundCloud, they can listen to it on Facebook. Yeah, so I posted the links on Facebook for Spotify and okay. and SoundCloud, so they can listen to either now. Okay, I um, didn't realize they could do it on Facebook. Yeah, they okay. can just straight That's listen good. from right there with the cool. link. Cool, awesome. Yep. Yeah, send us your topics, and again, remember, Under the Shield is here 24-7, 365. Yeah. We never ask your name or any identifying information, nor do we have your phone number when you call us. Please do not be concerned. We're going to be sending people to do welfare checks. We don't have that capability nor do we want that capability (laughs) but our numbers will be posted it's 855-889-2348 or my personal cell i'm happy to give is 334-324-3570 reach out to us um we're here to help 24 7 yep all that info is down in the description below and uh, if you need anything guys just call us we'll take care of you yeah thanks for all you do and the sacrifices you make is please 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 thank your families because we know the sacrifices they make also and we're here for them as well so Mm -hmm. thanks for listening thanks guys happy new year we'll see you next time